Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And if you didn't have a chance to watch the live stream show on Tuesday night, go back and give it a listen. Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders, and I had a pretty good discussion about what the Falcons game meant and just some other tidbits going forward about the team, etc. Also, I did a film review of the Falcons game, taking a look at why the that why that Cinco, the five defensive line package works so well against the Falcons. And I stressed in there and I'll stress it again, is that you can't use that package every game because it's very specific to what the other team is going to do. They did use it 10 times in one of the games against the Giants last year. So perhaps they break it out again, at least for to a degree this week. Certainly the Falcons are a team that you're going to use it very much against because the kind of because the kind of offense they have more tight end use more tight ends more fullback etc so anyways go back and give that a listen or a watch however you want to do it and in a few minutes i'll be joined by my espn counterpart in new york jordan ronan to talk about the new york giants because this is a this is another listen every game is a big game for a team that's going to be flirting you know like in washington that they want to contend for the playoffs. So now every game is a big one, but you got to win this one. And, you know, it's funny because I would have said the same thing about the Bears. You obviously had to win that one and they didn't, but this is another wounded team. You cannot let another opportunity pass, right? Or slip by because this team can't afford that. Um, they're, just, they're just not good enough. So you've, you can't lose in three weeks to the Giants and the Bears. You have to beat the Giants. Anyways. So stay tuned for Jordan in a couple minutes. We'll give you some good intel. Is Daniel Jones' status? What's up with the offensive line? Saquon Barkley. That defense is still can still be very effective, especially against a young quarterback like Sam Howell, who tends to hold the ball a little bit too long. And those sacks are adding up. What you can't have happen is the turnovers, et cetera, but we'll get into more of that on Friday's or the Predictions and Keys podcast. Anyway, couple injury notes for you from Wednesday. Cornerback Kendall Fuller did not practice because of a knee injury. Running back Chris Rodriguez missed practice for personal reasons. John Allen was limited knee. Cam Curl, limited ankle. Christian Holmes, limited hamstring. Chris Paul, limited back. James James Smith-Williams, limited foot. Montez Sweat, limited finger. So there you go. That's 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 the that was the injury report from Wednesday. You can check my Twitter feed out for more on Thursday, whatever happens, and Friday as well. Um, anyway, and of course, you can read my work on ESPN.com. Another 
topic that a couple of topics came up today. One, the sacks were a big deal. Just at least several questions about that because listen, Sam Howell's been sacked 34 times. He's on a record setting pace here and it's got to change. And it's, you, you know, it's not just on the offensive line. We are learning about Sam Howell. And what we're learning is that he needs to develop in this area. And yes, the line can be better. He has to also improve. And that's going to be a big focal point for him and the team moving forward because you need him to be present and and available for the rest of the season. That's, you know, and taking all those hits and all those sacks makes it very difficult. So he knows that. And that's something he talks about needing, needing to get used to or, or to improve upon. And in fact, the first half of that Atlanta game, he did a really good job in that area. The trouble comes when they get into those uh, third down and long situations, especially late in the game where he's going to drop back, where they're just going to pin their ears and go after him. And every team is getting after him in that way. And so any team that comes in with some issues with sacks usually doubles or comes out with a lot more sacks than they came in with. But he was decisive in the first half, and that was a good sign for him. Anyway, something he needs to improve on, something he knows he needs to improve on, and that's something that the coaches have talked about as well. Also, Emmanuel Forbes, what's his status? Well, with Fuller out, Forbes, of course, was working at cornerback opposite Benjamin St. Juice with Danny Johnson in the slot. And we did talk to Forbes again after practice. And his answers are all, you know, pretty good and whatever. But what I really like about Forbes, and it, and it may not seem like a big deal to you, but I, I've been around enough players to know how they handle things. The kid does not bristle at questions. This is a tough time for him. And every single time someone's gone over to him, he has answered questions. It doesn't always happen like that. What does it mean for him on the field? I don't know, but I think he has the right attitude about the situation. He understands what he needs to do. Now, the question is, can he go out and do it? Or when does he get out there and do it? And the one thing he did say is that he did say that by watching, he felt like the game, you know, he was able to kind of watch what others were doing, how they approach certain, uh, uh, you know, certain situations, watching the quarterback, how they handle things and just kind of getting a read and and just, you know, mentally going over things and jotting down mental notes about how players were handling certain assignments, et cetera. So can all that help? I don't know. If you learn, yes, it can, but he still needs to go out. He's still going to need to go out back out there at some point and, and just see what he's learned. But I do like his maturity and I do like that he's that again, that he's available to answer these questions because it's not easy. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't want to have to answer questions every day about, hey, why did ESPN bench you? You know, it's can't, you know, and I know he gets a lot of money, but I've been around enough athletes to know that not everybody handles it at his age this well. So that bodes well for him and certainly as a person. But I also think it does as a as a player too, because one thing as a corner, you have to know, and he understands this very well, you have to. You have to have a certain mindset. And I think he remains confident, it seems, in what he can do. And that's a good place for him to start. So anyway, so I just want to pass that along. And then also, Jamison Crowder. Um, oh, by the way, before I get to that, and I forgot to give you the stats on sacks. And I'm going to go back to that for one minute. And I'm going to join, be joined by James, uh, by Jordan in one minute as well. So of the, this is why the sack, obviously, we all know that sacks are bad. Real bad, right? But just to put it in perspective, give you some numbers, there have been 26 drives in which Sam Howell has been sacked. 
the commanders have scored a touchdown on two of those drives and they've gotten field goals on four. So they've gotten, you know, the point is it's really difficult to have success for this offense to when they have that many sacks. And, you know, if you cut that in half, the success of this offense goes way up in those 26 drives, 13 have ended in punts, three missed field goals, two interceptions, turnover on downs and a defensive TD. He's been sacked twice on eight drives. Those they're the result of that five punts, turnover on downs, interception field goal. So you can see the impact of that. And they know that, and they know that's a killer. Like for them, sacks and penalties are big time killers right now, but especially those sacks. Well, actually both of them, I mean, a 15 yard or 10 yard holding penalty is pretty bad too, but that they, you know, it's just been hard for them. I think it's obvious that it's hard to get out of a sack or excuse me, out of a hole caused by sack. But I just wanted to illustrate just how tough it is for these guys to have success after that. And then finally, Jamison Crowder named was named the NFC player of special teams player of the week after his punt return. And one of the things that Ron Rivera, he referred to his Crowder's sage wisdom. And I would agree with that. Crowder's a Crowder's a good dude. And one of the things that that Rivera was talking about was how he likes watching you know, Crowder work with Kaz Allen, work with him in the slot, work with him as a returner, and that kind of stuff. It, you know, you can prove invaluable to a team when you're able to when you have when you're able to share what you know and help develop a young kid. And maybe Kaz Allen becomes a guy down the road because he's got a similar quickness, very raw, very raw as a receiver, very very raw. Crowder was obviously further ahead coming out of college, but he's a good guy to learn from. You know, slot returner he can help in both areas so anyway just wanted to pass that along and now you know so anyway here we go here's my conversation with my counterpart from the new uh, who covers the new york giants jordan ronan all right jordan it's the annual giants are struggling and here comes washington week so home and home oh uh, yeah, that's, that's we do right. our home and home we do our home and home that's, uh interviews that's right the that's podcast. right yeah, and people can't get enough of these two teams playing each other. So, of course. So, and they can't get enough of the Giants on primetime. But Wait, if, imagine this was on primetime? That would be the ultimate, like, shove in the nation's face. <laughs> I, th- I think the nation has suffered enough. <laughs> a- anyway, but, you know, you have, I mean, this is not going the way New York expected. And clearly, injuries have played a big role in this. And also, I guess Brian Dable did not invent coaching. So I guess we're kind of at that point too. But man, the injuries, like what's going on? Let's start with Daniel Jones. What's it? We're talking Tuesday and this will air Thursday. So you'll probably going to find out more throughout the week and, you know, follow Jordan on Twitter to get the latest information on that. But as we stand now, what's going on with Daniel Jones and that neck injury? Yeah, he said on the NBC broadcast like there was some discomfort on the left side and it kind of went into his left shoulder a little bit. So until he gets cleared to get on the field and for contact, you know, we're I, I don't expect to see Daniel Jones. Now, let's see if he gets on the field at all this week. He didn't last week. But then there's still the question when he does get on the field. You know, John, quarterbacks don't take contact in practice. Right. So there's a difference between a quarterback practicing and throwing and it's the difference between being able to absorb and take hits and be uh, involved in contact. That was the thing two years ago when Daniel Jones had a neck injury. He was out there practicing 100%. He was going through these full workouts, but he wasn't cleared for contact. So 
He's got a long way to go as we stand here on Tuesday. Um, it would seem right now that it might be a long shot for him to make this game. So that would be an, another you know, round of Tyrod Taylor, who's, you know, started in one games in this league. So it's not like it's a massive drop off. That's why they signed and paid him last year in the first place. Well, and as, as we know, and I, you know, because you never know what happens with this league and injuries and who plays when, but Daniel Jones, I was looking it up. He's five, one and one against Washington. There's only mm-hmm. one other team that he's played more than once that he has a winning record against. And that's Carolina. He's two and oh. Hometown team, by the way, that's his hometown team. Okay, that's right. He also, by the way, he and he and Sam Howell have the same offseason quarterback coach, Anthony Boone in in North in Carolina. Ten touchdown passes against Washington, no more than five against anybody else. Um, Fifty-two carries for three hundred twenty-four rushing yards against Washington. It's forty-six two one four versus Dallas and twenty-nine two three eight against Philly. In other words. He looks really good against these guys. So before we move on and get to Tyrod Taylor, just in case Jones comes back, what is it do you think about him and this team that leads him to consistently have success? Yeah, it's kind of curious because if there is one strength of Washington, it has been the defensive line. And the teams that have really good defensive lines have sort of torn apart the Giants over the years, right? That's why. Uh, I mean, the whole division's really been good on the defensive line. That's why Dallas and the, the Eagles have just dominated them completely, and Daniel Jones had way less success. I think a lot of it has to do with discipline. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when they, it seems like when they play Washington, every time he pulls the ball, it's like, oh, look, the Red Sea has parted for Daniel Jones. And then I'm shocked he'd he, run. Yeah, like I, I can't believe they did that. Uh, but and when he has that, he becomes a much better quarterback. So I think that plays a part in it. Some of it's probably a little bit of luck. Some of it's probably been the state of where Washington's been when they played them a few times. I know they played late in the season. Uh, they've been in shambles, you know, each or both of these teams. So it's a total crapshoot. Uh, maybe he just feels comfortable playing in that stadium. I, I, I don't think there's a, a definitive explanation. You tell me, because usually I say, you know, historical stats don't matter. But it kind of does matter when you're playing the same players in the same unit, right? It doesn't matter what they did 20 years ago against what, like that the Jets this past week had never won against the Eagles, has literally zero bearing on the current players had they lost in 1989. Right. right. But Washington does have a lot of the same players. They are running the same system for what? How many years in a row defensively Since 2020. now? Since 2020. So I think there is correlation on this one. I think you hit it on discipline is a big, is a big thing with, you know, being able to contain him. And then the other part has been their offense. I mean, they it's not like like last year, the Giants scored 20, I think it was 20 points both games. They lost, you know, Washington, it was a tie and a loss. So yeah. it's not like it's not like it's always just Jones tearing them up, but he does have he does play well against them. And usually there's like one or two plays with his legs where it's like, okay, that made you know, that was a big play in the game. It's like, I can't believe Daniel Jones pulled the ball and ran. Well, guess what? He does it every time. So I think the discipline is a big part. And then the lack of offense is why the record is like his offensive sex- success is one thing. The record, I think, is also attributable to the lack of a good, you know, last year, lack of, a, of an offense. Tyrod Taylor, what does he give them? Because um, he can also run a little bit too. So what does he give the Giants? I don't think you get as much running especially the designed runs what you get from Tyrod Taylor is almost like a recklessness right uh which sometimes shows in a negative way and that's probably why he's never been a full-time starting quarterback a it 
puts his body in harm's way. And B, turnovers could come as a result. Uh, he's aggressive, though. So you're going to see more shots downfield. He's going to throw the ball downfield. He's going to try and make plays. He's going to run around in the pocket, spin, you know, and who knows what happens at that point. So if I'm Washington, I'm saying we need to get, we want to get him off the spot, make him make, try to make some crazy plays. And what you need to protect against with him is he's going to fire the ball downfield. And you saw that a little bit more uh, in Buffalo than we've seen with Daniel Jones at quarterback. Their offensive line is still in pretty rough shape. Right. So he's not going to be able to sit back there. Uh, you know, he's going to be under consistent pressure. He was again the other day, uh, even though it was kind of hidden by the fact that, you know, they, they didn't turn the ball. But again, you know, John, this offense has gone almost three and a half games without scoring a touchdown. Yeah. In the NFL, three and a half games. So it's not like you should be super, you should be scared of this offense. You should be saying, can we shut this offense out? Well, that's the thing. And and that's why I say the nation is grateful. There's no, there's only what one more primetime game because yeah. of that. One because, too many, the nation thinks. Yes, you know, you, you'll, be back no at one, you'll be back at one o'clock next year for a lot of games, but, but it is, you know, like the, the ability to throw it on the field, that's where this team has been hurt. If you can make some scramble plays and do that, it just, it would seem like they need a spark, but you know, you go back, let's go back to the offensive line because Andrew Thomas, Another question, their question out there, what's the health of that? What's the state of that offensive line with the health? Yeah, we're early in the week, so not positive. But Andrew Thomas and John Michael Schmitz, the starting rookie starting center, weren't on the field at all last week. I'd be surprised if they make it back for this game. So the Giants offensive line is still a mess. Uh, Justin Pugh uh, played at left tackle last week. There's a good chance he's their starting left tackle this week. He's straight off the couch as he introduced himself on uh, Sunday Night Football. I mean, he hadn't played left tackle since 2015, really. You know, he had a couple snaps here or there, but since 2015. So you're talking a guy who hadn't played left tackle in eight years. Uh, left guard, you have uh, Mark Lewinsky, who's a veteran who's serviceable uh, at times. Ben Bredesen at center, who is really their starting left guard, much better left guard than he is center. Marcus McKeithen, whoever they want to put a right guard, Marcus McKeithen, he graded out 60th, I believe, of 60 guards this past week. Uh, so he's top right? 60. Where's, where's my chief? So he's he, top he's, 60. He's, he's, near the, he's near the bottom of the guards. Uh, let me let me say that. I'm sorry, 57 out of 57 in pass block win rate last past week. So – not quite 60th, but only because there wasn't 60 guards to qualify. Uh, and he's probably the worst of them all at this point. A guy who was a late-round pick last year, kind of thrown into the mix. He missed all of his rookie year. And then at right tackle is Evan Neal, who's the seventh all-round pick last year, but has been struggling greatly. Uh, he had a 79.2 pass block win rate this past week, and that was 41st out of 56 tackles. Right. Again, not good. And fans are kind of talking about how, hey, that was a good, pretty good game for Evan Neal. That was one of his better games. But that's where the bar is for this line. It is a line where you don't have probably one above average player at this point. So if you're Washington, you say, we only need to rush with four and we need to dominate. And if we don't, we deserve to lose the game. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny, like I said, though, there are a lot of times that Washington goes in this game like, well, the Giants are in bad shape. And somehow the Monday morning headline is, have the Giants turned their season around? But it just <laughs> seems like it'd be really hard for this offense to get it going. Even like Washington's defense 
has enough talent up front to, they should dominate this front and that should be enough. But you know, all it takes is one big play. And so you have, you know, a couple of young receivers, Jalen Hyatt, uh, was it Wandale Robinson? How are they working them in? And you know, what, what's going on with those who can they provide a spark for them? Yeah. We saw this past week uh, that the giants are, have, pared down their wide receiver rotation and the young guys are going to play. And Brian Dibble said it on Monday, you know, they're young. We need to get them in the game. They need to get experience. So they're talking about Wondell Robinson and Jalen Hyatt. You saw Jalen Hyatt make a big play late. He made a big play downfield in that game that was called back by a very questionable uh, legal man downfield penalty. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of those young receivers for the Giants. Sterling Shepard's kind of been out of the rotation. Paris Campbell's now out of the rotation, close to it at least. You know, they'll be sprinkled in a little bit. So you're looking at Wandell Robinson, uh, Jalen Hyatt, and uh, Darius Slayton. And that, those are the guys who are the Giants are going to look to to make plays and with a little Isaiah Hodgins sprinkled in. But you're going to see the Giants are going to – trust me, they know what they have at the offensive line, John. They're going to do their very best to protect them. And their number one receiver, don't mind you, is none of those guys. It's Darren Waller. Right, right. So that's the guy I think the Giants are going to look to to make plays the most. And Saquon Barkley is also back. Certainly helps. And, and I was going to ask you how Barkley yeah. looked because, again, behind, you know, you can see the numbers. Like, I wasn't able to watch all that game the other night. I haven't really kind of watched a lot of the Giants just yet. I usually watch them later in the week. So I know what the numbers are. He had a couple big runs that – gave him some good numbers, but how much mm -hmm. of that, like, where does he, how does he look? And then how much of it, his success, lack of success before some of those big runs, a function of that offensive line. Yeah. He, at one point he was at 12. I remember looking 12 rushes for 12 yards. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of negatives and a lot of nothings. Uh, not mostly, not necessarily on him. Like I said, this offensive line is in rough shape. Uh, so not a lot of room to run. Now, when he did have room to run, he did was able to get break some big plays. He still has that speed, right? Maybe not the speed when he was uh, a rookie and breaking those 50-yard runs like they were nothing against Washington and everybody else. But look to me a little bit when he had to cut right. There was it was you could still see that ankle. He had a high ankle sprain and he missed right, three weeks. Right. Still see it affecting him a little bit once he slipped, once he just didn't look great going right. You could tell it was just, it just wasn't what I usually see when I see Saquon Barkley. Because there's one thing he could do is he could, right. that jump cut is what he does, right? And that most running backs, they do it and it's impressive. Uh, he looked not quite to be there yet in that regard, but good enough to be a quality player, provide a threat. Just him being there provides a threat and opens things up for other guys. Uh, so, and now one week healthier, I expect to see an even better version of Saquon Barkley. So he's definitely someone Washington should be should be concerned about and pay a lot of attention to. And he obviously a threat in the pass game as well. Or are they having? To, are they going to have to keep him in a lot more to to pass protect? Yeah, no, he just hasn't proven to be. He is a threat in the pass game. Just he's not like let's spread him out wide and right, use him right, as a right. wide receiver type of running back. It's, he, Everybody always talks about that, like that he has that skill set. This is the year, and we're in year what? Uh, this is six, and that's never happened. So, but he 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 can catch balls out of the backfield and and then make some yards. And he's a a favorite target of the quarterbacks, at least when Daniel Jones is in for sure. Uh, those little uh, short passes and in, in the flat, you know, five six yards 
decent gains move move on to the next play. So let's look at the defense too for real quick. We'll close out on the D. I'm surprised like how the run defense has been really bad. And is why is that? It's a good question. I think, and this was really one of the biggest problems with this team from the start, their depth was very questionable. Uh, and so it's proven to be a problem. Now, this defense has gotten better in recent weeks, right? They played really well. They let up less than 300 yards against Seattle, which is a good offense. They created three turnovers, end up giving up over 500 yards against Miami, but created three turnovers and scored a touchdown. And then they played really well against the Buffalo Bills right. this past week. So Seattle, Miami, and Buffalo, you're seeing them play much better. I think this defense is in much better shape than it was sure. earlier in the year. Uh, Bobby Okereke, an inside linebacker, is playing great. Every time – every that's the, that's the one name I keep hearing on that D. Like when I see tweets or whatever, it's like it's always his name. Yeah, he was – he played unbelievable the other night in Buffalo. Uh, really has been the last few weeks – really taking his game to a new level. He's a That inside linebacker piece in this defense is made to go make plays. They use him in a lot of different ways, and he's excellent in pass coverage. So, uh, And then Kayvon Thibodeau is a guy who's he's been up and down, but, you know, and I, it's partly because people have high expectations for him. They, they want him to be a star. They want him to be what Aiden Hutchinson is being in Detroit. He's still a good player. He's still their top pass rusher. And he, so uh, he has four sacks already, decent number. There's been too many times where he's probably been invisible, but he's a quality player, a guy you have to, to keep an eye on. The secondary has been a little shaky, uh, especially Adore Jackson has not had his best year. He's supposed to be their top cornerback. So it'll be interesting to see if he is the one that's even on Terry McLaurin mm. often. He was also in and out of the lineup this past week. Rookie Deontay Banks from Maryland, the guy, he's been actually very good. I wonder if we see him a bunch on Terry McLaurin. And with, with Thibodeau, too, because they're – listen, pretty much every team that's coming here with low sack numbers has exited with double their sack total. And sometimes it's the O-line and something like Thibodeau against against Andrew Wiley would concern me. Um, but you also have a quarterback who holds the ball. So are they getting – you know, some, I watched them the other day and they were getting close to pressures, you know, close to things. Are they – you know, do you think it's – you know, and I was surprised with the interior that they're not getting a little bit more too. Are you surprised at their the production there? Yeah, their pressure rate is actually not very good, but their pass rush win rate I'm looking it up right now is actually pretty high. So I, it, it it's actually forty eight point four percent, which is eleventh. So that's pretty good. So it's been up and down, I would say. They're not getting an inordinate amount of pressure, especially for a Wink Martindale defense. But I expect him at this point to dial it up, right? This is the game where I think you're going to see a lot of different pressures. This is what he does, Wink Martindale, uh, with a young quarterback who hasn't seen that much like Sam Howell. I think you're going to see Wink Martindale. Like last week, again, it was different. Josh Allen, you have to – their goal was to keep him in the pocket and and not let him – you know, blitz and let him hit big plays. And so this this week, I think it's going to be very different. He blitzed out of like 20% clip last week, which is like half of what he normally does. Uh, I expect that to get back up over 40% in this game and to show Sam Howell things that he's probably never seen. And what I mean by that is, and this is the Wink Martindale defense in general, 
there might be four or five guys coming, but you don't know which four or five. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to be the four that are lined up at the line of scrimmage. It might uh, be one of the inside backers. It might be one of the safeties. It might be the nickel. Like You're going to see guys coming from different places, even if it's only four rushers. That's, I think, the way I mean, we've seen Wink Martindale do it against young quarterbacks over the years. And he's seen a lot of he's seen a lot of those overloads, and they've had some struggles against that at times for sure. But but Wink Martindale is always a little bit of a mad scientist with some of those pressures. Yeah, that's what he does. He actually explains how when he goes about designing his game plan, he looks at how the other team protects, and he builds his game plan essentially out from the offensive line protections, and that's different from how pretty much every other defensive coordinator does it. So. You know, that's basically how he builds his defense that week. So it's going to be built on the Washington offensive line, how Sam Howell handles that, and where they think they could attack best against this offensive line, which All is right, where. Jordan, I, I appreciate the insight, and um, we'll see you Sunday for another version of this game. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Jordan for joining me and thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back on Friday slash Saturday morning with my keys and a prediction for the commander's game at the New York Giants. I'll talk to you next time.